Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're going to be talking about the film Certain Women and the new BBC3 drama Clique. Caroline has also watched the MTV series Sweet Vicious for the first time, so she'll be telling us how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Thanks to everyone who emailed in with suggestions for their own Seriously Awards. Thank you to Lucy, who got in touch to say her suggestions include the most irritating final four words award to, yeah, you guessed it, Gilmore Girls. She's put, we waited nine years for that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of sympathetic to the final four words. And then she also says biggest betrayal, which we awarded to Fleabag and Girls. Mm. She would suggest Paul Hollywood joining Channel 4's Bake <laughs> <laughs> which fair, is quite a good one. Fair point, fair point. We've also had some submissions from Rosie, who says, My awards of 2017 are actor most overshadowed by a costume goes to Tom Hardy in Taboo. She says, I stopped watching after the third episode when I realised that I was more interested in Tom's hat and coat than any of the plot or relationships. And then, most surprisingly emotional film, Adult Life Skills. From the trailer, I thought this would be a silly low-key comedy, which it was, but also slightly heartbreaking, and I alternated between laughing and crying for the entire film. And finally... Best Skins alumnus goes to Dev Patel. <laughs> if you told me 10 years ago when I was watching Skins that Anwar would be the cast member I would most fancy in the future, I would not have believed it. <laughs> we also have one from Philippa who just recommends a misogyny award for Sherlock. <laughs> would have been a long shortlist, but Sherlock a deserving winner, I feel. Yeah, so thanks very much for everyone who sent in award nominations. I think despite the fact that it really messed up our sleep schedules, it was totally worth doing an award special last week. Yeah, it was really quite an, an award season to stick around for, wasn't it? So Most definitely, yeah. The first thing we're going to talk about this week is Certain Women, which is a film that's written and directed by Kelly Reichardt. It's loosely based on the short stories of Miley Malloy and tells three loosely connected tales of different women in the American Northwest. It stars Laura Dern, Michelle Williams, Lily Gladstone and Kristen Stewart. Let's you and I make an effort to be nice to your mom today. Why? Because neither of us do very well without her. We were wondering about the sandstone in the front yard. I mean, if you wanted to get rid of it, we, we'd take it off your hands. You don't have to sell it if you don't want to. It's just that Gina wants this new house to be authentic. 
Hey, Will, good news. Your lawyer's here. No one understands what my life has become. I don't mean to keep you from getting to work or anything. I just knew if I didn't start driving, I wasn't going to see you again. I didn't want that. It'd be so lovely to think that if I were a man, people would listen and say, okay. Oh, it would be so restful. It's quite an unusual film, isn't it? Because it's it's quite sparse in terms of dialogue. It's quite slow moving. I feel like the landscapes kind of step up to fill in what the dialogue can't provide. And it won the London Film Festival's Best Film Award. Oh, did it? I didn't realise that. Yeah, so although it's actually not been much buzz around this film in general, that was quite a big award that it did win. I feel like the very opening like moments of this film really sum it up for you, which is where the camera lingers on this long shot of a train coming through, I think it's, it's Montana, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Through the kind of Montana landscape with big prairie fields and mountains in the background and this, you know, train that starts really far away. And then when you first see the shot, you're like, they're not going to stay on this same shot for all the time it would take for the train to get right to the front of the screen, are they? But they do. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, it's that kind of film. But it's sort of quite unpretentious at the same time, mm. I think, because even though you do have these sometimes fairly indulgent shots... I feel like as you start to settle into the film, the landscape becomes so important to the stories that are being told that you can't begrudge any of those like long, lingering shots. Yeah, so it is based on several short stories, and I feel like knowing that really helped me understand it. Because in the same way that a few of the short story collections that we've talked about recently, Fenn and The Shore, both do this thing of connecting the stories through things other than characters necessarily, mm-hmm. by atmosphere or place... That's what this film does. So it's probably even wrong to say that, that in the film the stories are loosely connected because they're connected in as much only that you like see a character from a previous section walking past once in mm-hmm. the background of a different one. You know, there's no meetings, there's no interactions between the main protagonists. But you do therefore get this sense of complexity because you know that the husband of the main character of one section can have an affair with the main character of another section and it can barely be discussed, but it deepens your understanding Mm. of those characters and basically makes the stories more complicated. And I think it's done with quite a good lightness of touch. No, absolutely, because... I spent a while after I saw this film thinking about whether I genuinely really liked this film or whether was I just in the right mood for it. Mm. Because I could see how if I was in a more impatient kind of mood, I might have been annoyed with its long shots and its apparent plotlessness and Mm -hmm. this kind of thing. And then I thought about it more and I decided that actually, no, I did really like the film and I would like it no matter how I was feeling at the time. Because, and you put your finger on it, was saying it is not pretentious. Mm. We're probably making it sound like it is <laughs> with its, you know, landscape, cinematography and all this kind of stuff. But it's just not like that. It's very, very human in scale and very warm. And even though you still really feel like you know nothing about the protagonist, like for instance, in the, the third segment, the one with Lily Gladstone and Kristen Stewart, you don't ever find out what Lily Gladstone's character is called. She doesn't mm. have a name. She's just in the credits. I think she's just there as the rancher. Yeah. So that's the level of remoteness you have. But I think you could compare and contrast it to something like The Revenant, which yeah. was all about those lingering shots with no cuts and meant to be, you know, very much about the landscape. And it, it, they're just so different because 
I feel like certain women is about normal people and normal lives and there's no sensationalism and it is about trying to get into, for example, the daily routine of this rancher and you see the same shots over and over again and you see how the landscape changes minutely, shot to shot. There's something really commendable about that because there is something that feels important about getting to know the texture of someone's daily life in a way that a lot of the things in The Revenant I just found to be a bit ridiculous and Mm. pretentious and... Not, not really serving anything. Well, that's the point, isn't it? In certain women, all of that is in service of enhancing your understanding. So the fact that we see Lily Gladstone and her little dog, you know, zooming around this massive farm completely... I love those shots. It's beautiful. Like, but, it's, you know, she's. it just serves to underline that she's completely alone all of the mm-hmm. time in her working life. And, you know, she's there in a kind of short-term winter employee. She doesn't know anyone else in the town. That's why... She behaves like she does in relation to Kristen Stewart, mm-hmm. you know. So that actually serves a purpose. It makes you understand another character as well. And the same with in the second story, the Michelle Williams one. She and her husband are building this house. She's really obsessed with getting this old stand- sandstone. Yeah, she, she wants some quote authentic sandstone, doesn't yeah. she, to build her home from to try and sort of blend into the the natural environment because she kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in her like sweaty Betty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like jogging gear. She's really obsessed with just getting the stone and for a while you're like I don't care about this why does the stone matter and then you realize that actually it's all about her portrayal of herself as quote authentic Mm -hmm. when actually so at the beginning of her little story you see her just walking really slowly wearing all of her super fancy running gear smoking Mm. you're like you're clearly a health freak. Why have you just gone for a quiet walk to have a cigarette? <laughs> and then she lies when she comes back, when her husband's like, how was your run? She's like, really good, cold, mm-hmm. hard, but really good. And then right at the very end of her segment, you see her get so frustrated and pissed off that she just has a cigarette and a glass of wine in full view in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, so you've finally decided to stop pretending and just be who you actually are. I really liked all three of these stories, actually. I thought the Laura Dern story at the beginning is Mm. is really complex for its sort of portrayal of, like, workplace sexism at at the same time as, like, a lot of other things. But it's just... I really liked the way that that just kind of gently was woven into the narrative, her saying things like, you know, I could just be a male lawyer and people would listen to me when I said that there was nothing more we could do for your case. And, wow, that would be amazing. (laughs) And I loved the, the final one as well. And Lily Gladstone, I think... It's a shame she wasn't nominated for more acting awards mm. for this role. Just you look at her and I remember in Olivia Lang's The Lonely City, she talks about when you're so lonely being worried that it, you physically repulse other people with your loneliness yeah, and you make people sort of want to cringe away from you. And Lily Gladstone is so good at capturing that feeling, both the, the fear of coming across that way and the intensity of wanting to get to know someone that can make you come across that way. Mm. The premise of that story is that, you know, she's in this really lonely rural place working as a rancher Kristen Stewart's character is driving four hours each way to teach a, you know, adult education class in this town. And Lily Gladstone's character wanders into this class one day and finds that she has a bit of a connection. They go to a diner after each class and they seem to be getting on. And then one day Kristen Stewart just doesn't turn up. So she, without seemingly really hesitating, she just gets in her truck and drives all the way to where Kristen Stewart lives, like wanders around tries to find her sleeps overnight in her truck and then eventually finds her on the way to work the next morning and they have this heart-wrenching exchange where Christian Stewart is like oh you're here Mm. oh and you sort of know when you're watching it as well that Christian Stewart doesn't feel anything for the Lily Gladstone character it's very the power dynamic is so one-sided the whole way through and that's what's so awkward about it to watch because 
I think you can quite usefully almost compare this film to Moonlight, which mm. is another film in three distinct parts, which has these, you know, romantic diner scenes in the final third. And in certain women, it's so much more horrible and you don't want to look. Whereas in Moonlight, because you, you know that this is a real romance, you know that the love is reciprocated, even when Chiron's being really vulnerable and saying something like, I've never been with, I haven't been with another man since you. It doesn't make you want to like, look away from the screen in shame because you know that it's real with this it's a lot more awkward and a lot more uncomfortable and that's where the filming style comes in as well because in between each of these diner scenes where as you mentioned in the awards special there's this like awful power imbalance of like Kristen Stewart is always eating and Lily Gladstone never is and she always like picks up something to eat on the way home she's the same thing that Kristen Stewart eats in the diner but in her car and it's like a more budget version and it's just so sad um but so in between each of those scenes you see her completely alone like tending to the horses like driving Mm -hmm. around this snowy landscape and you can imagine all of the thinking time she has while she's doing her quite mundane, repetitive job to think about the next encounter at the diner and how mm. it might go and what it might mean and all of this. Yeah. So every time there's another one, you're like, oh my God, she's thought about this for three whole days. Yeah. This is so important to her and it's so not to Kristen <laughs> yeah. She just wants to get her legal degree. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed this film and I, it did make me want to read the short stories as mm. well. So it's definitely worth going to see if you can make it to the cinema and it see it. really is. And just to go back to something that I said when we were in the thick of Oscar nominee watching, mm. this is such an amazing antidote to this. I think I said that I just really wanted to watch a film about some made up people. Yeah. And this is exactly that film. Yeah. Everyone in it is fictional. Yeah. Some of them don't even have names or backstories. It just, it's like a cleansing balm. <laughs> Next, we're going to talk about the BBC Three drama Clique, set in Edinburgh University. It follows two girls who are in their first year of uni childhood best friends, Holly and Georgia. They find themselves drawn to an elite clique of third-year girls who all seem to be under the influence of mysterious Professor McDermott. So this is something that we've been anticipating for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Because it comes from Jess Britton, who was a writer for Skins, and this is her new project. I think she's now 27. She's in her late 20s. And in interviews, she's been asked a lot, you know, so what does the writer of Defining Teen Drama Mm -hmm. Skins do next? And she was like, well, I'm still just obsessed with the way youth is always portrayed as positive and radiant. And I just really wanted to show that it's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. And so in Clique, she's created this apparently really normal looking world with what is obviously a very dark undercurrent and also one that fetishizes youth and beauty mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. And I think it's amazing. Yeah, so it starts off with these two girls, Holly and Georgia, who I think have basically just arrived at university. It's yeah. like a month into their first term. Yeah, because don't they mention that Georgia slept with someone in Freshers Week and she's still hopeful that he might call her back? Like, mm-hmm. it's that kind of amount of time. Yeah, yeah. I think one of them, I think Holly even says, you know, that was a month ago. So they're still finding their feet, but they've sort of purged themselves of like the Freshers Week, you know, complete fear and 
mass drinking to just get through the days. But it's when they're going to their first macroeconomics lecture, which is led by this very mysterious, very forthright Professor McDermid. I thought, was this a reference to Val McDermid when they were like, Yeah, I it, oh, that. She's, she's Scottish as well. Scottish yeah, writer, yeah. And they were like, Oh, who is he? And then they're like, Oh, you mean she? Who is she? You know, and um, she's this like massively influential, successful academic, but she's also young and beautiful. Is it the night before that lecture or something? They start to glimpse these girls at a yeah. party who just are impossibly glamorous looking girls, basically. And then they see those same girls at the, this lecture when uh, Professor McDermott is talking about her scheme for women in power basically she gives a long speech about how feminism is bullshit and how women have to like take power for themselves and then introduces these very glamorous powerful looking women yeah so their first encounter with the third year girls the night before is when georgia's overindulged and holly's trying to get her out of a club and stuff mm -hmm. and the girls are like oh you know take our car we have this car and this driver that's always waiting for us he'll take you home no worries kind of thing and it's so interesting and this is where i think the writing is so good because if you've been in a situation anything like that you know how magic that seems mm. to just have someone be like, my car's right here, just take it. Mm -hmm. It just seems like the solution to an impossible problem. Especially at university where like most people don't really drive and... Or have the money for cabs, cabs on demand, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, That immediately fixes these girls in your mind as like, they are rich, they are powerful and they don't give a fuck. You know, mm -hmm. that's their emblem as it were. And then holly and georgia get drawn deeper into this whole thing because it turns out these girls are all interns in professor mcdermott's scheme so they've got an added level of status associated with success in this really competitive class mm -hmm. and georgia in the first episode starts to think i want to be one of them basically yeah. i want to join the clique i want to go for the internship yeah and holly, holly has, has been doubts. sort of had all these lingering gazes at them and you know that she wants it too but she's sort of a bit more fearful than georgia and is kind of portrayed as someone who's a bit more look before you leap and is conflicted between wanting to do it and also wanting to stay out of a very dark and messy looking situation and that's what's pulling at their friendship because you know georgia is saying well you're just jealous i've made it into this clique and I think Holly feels a bit like, well, I introduced you to these people. I took you to that lecture. You didn't even know what it was. You said you only took it because of me. And also, I'm genuinely concerned for your safety. Yeah. It's this double-edged sword of like, no, I was here first. And also, neither of us should be here. <laughs> I think that's quite relatable when you're a teenager. I mean, they're a little older, but I think when you're a teenager and you're doing things for the first time, there can be that push and pull way. You're like, oh, this is scary, but also I want to do it. Mm, and, and I want to be the first at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a very distinctive filming style and costuming style in this show. It's all very dark. It's all very dark with lots of like red lipstick seen through a slightly bluey filter mm. on the camera. There's a particular scene where they end up at this party in this random mansion and everyone's like stripping off their clothes and jumping into the swimming pool in their underwear and then mysteriously none of their eye makeup runs. Was the implication of this pool that it was a ket pool, a pool of ketamine? Or if I completely like no, no, she took she took a tablet, right? But then she's like, this pool is weird, and someone oh. says like it's like cats, and then someone's like, it is cats, and then but like, is that how these things work? <laughs> Surely not. Okay, I didn't get that. But I mean, yeah, I'm I literally I'm going to Google it now and going back and like look at the subtitles, and if I'm completely wrong, I'm going to edit it out of the podcast because I'll <laughs> look like a kid who knows nothing about drugs. But I was just like, what the fuck? And then the next day she was like, oh, that pool really fucked me up. Oh, okay, maybe it was. So I didn't. Huh. I just didn't get that. There are some moments like that in, in this program where I'm a bit like, wait, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And that actually gave me the reassuring note that like it is still a BBC drama. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, 
a lot of like really like fucked up shit happens in this episode right and we don't want to give too many spoilers away because the last kind of 10 minutes are quite like violent and stressful yeah but also i think for their maximum impact you need to have no idea what's coming yeah but for me whether those things become indulgent let's look at some skinny girls in like dangerous or objectifying or violent situations for it to become more than that the payoff has to be good in the next few episodes and i don't know where they're going with it i might be like oh wow these revelations were so worth it or it might be a bit of a damp squib you know like i don't i can't really tell which way it's going at the moment I wanted to compare this actually to the Demon Headmaster. Did you ever watch it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, you yeah. just pull that so, reference out of the bag. Yeah, so Go if, for it. if any listeners remember that, this actually has a lot in common with it in the sense that there's like a kind of charismatic, older teacher. So figure. Professor McDermott is the Demon Headmaster in this Essentially, analogy. yes. <laughs> and like all of these really attract... Do you remember how in the Demon Headmaster, all of the kids who'd like fallen under the Headmaster's sway were just much more beautiful? Were they like blonde? They were always pointed. blonde and their uniforms were really tidy and they just looked better. And the like characters that you were following always just looked a bit scruffy, scruffy. and a bit scrappy. Yeah. And obviously that's why you found them relatable. But yes, yeah, so I, I, the whole time I felt a bit like, okay, this is, this is like a really cool sexy version yeah can i sound the recurring handsome bbc3 actor alarm yep oh yeah (laughs) guy from new blood uh who was only very briefly in this episode in a bad wig yeah in a yeah oh was it a wig i thought it was bad dye but maybe it was a bad wig i thought it was a wig and so like a questionable leather jacket he's like one of the party goers at the weird glass mansion pool scene and he was kind of like oh yeah everyone else here's a cunt like i'm a nice guy kind of vibes which i'd, I'd be keen to see more of he can tell <laughs> me he's not a cunt some more that's fine but it's also suspicious though this is the thing with this show that i immediately identified with holly and her worry that everyone might be in some way going to hurt her <laughs> i mean I'm, not a bad not a bad instinct no, I'm, but i'm definitely more of a holly than a georgia in the yeah. sense that like i would not jump into a swimming pool in my underwear with a load of people i'd never met no no way i'm just really curious to see where it goes next basically because this could either be like a pile of crap or something really really cool depending on where it goes next for me mm, yeah i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
host. So last week, I recommended that Caroline check out the MTV web series Sweet Vicious. That's sweet slash vicious. So Caroline, did you do that? I did indeed. And it's so cool. I really (laughs) enjoyed it. So a little brief explanation if you didn't hear last week. This is a campus comedy thriller starring two women who are basically on a weird vengeance mission against all men who have committed sexual assault on their campus. Is that a brief explanation? Yeah, and it's definitely got things in common with, like, Kick-Ass, mm-hmm. where an unlikely person, in this case a sorority girl who looks like she might be a cheerleader, dons a mask and gets a flick knife and starts, mm-hmm. like, cutting people up. Mm-hmm. And she does this because, you know, she has been assaulted mm-hmm. and she wo- she realises that like she is by no means the only woman to have had this happen to her. And as I think it was maybe a couple of years ago when the whole like campus rape thing really blew up in America, mm. particularly wasn't it? it really became a mainstream media story. She realizes that the university is not taking it seriously. Like they're not pursuing, even when women do come forward to complain about it, they just get fobbed off or their complaints get put on file because the rich white boys have got rich white fathers mm-hmm. who are influential and nothing really ever happens. So yeah, she takes matters, story, she but... takes matters into her own hands yeah. and becomes a kind of ninja justice warrior (laughs) and she teams up with Ophelia who's a kind of stoner dropout computer hacker type because Ophelia accidentally finds out her identity yeah and they team up to fight crime essentially yeah it's great so that's the like unfamiliar twist on this like uh, sort of fairly familiar story and it's like quite wacky and colorful isn't it it's quite like it's got some of the slightly comic booky elements of something like Scott Pilgrim, yeah, um, which I really liked. Definitely. I also really like the character of Ophelia, just yeah. generally. I think she's a bit like a Diablo Cody character. Yeah, she is. I really like her friend Harris. Yes, I think yeah, he's, he's awesome. That he's one of the few. I don't know who, who the actor is. I should know that, but um, he's one of the few actors I've seen in recent years who can deliver the line "bitch, please" in a way that isn't like, insufferable insufferable <laughs> yeah that's great even when it's violent it is that sort of overly stylized violence that means it never feels like fully dangerous this program yeah. but it does feel like fun and like very satisfying in the way that it treats revenge but it does have more complexity sometimes than that like um in the first episode jules her name is the sorority girl is in the middle of like wreaking vengeance on some guy and he overpowers her and he starts strangling her Mm -hmm. and she starts having flashbacks to when the guy who raped her held her down Mm -hmm. and she kind of loses the confidence and the power she normally has to fight back Mm -hmm. briefly and that kind of subverting of what had previously been a bit like pow wah wah type Mm -hmm. violence was really powerful yeah so overall really smart very very clever 
Great. I'm glad you enjoyed. So what are we doing next week? Uh, something really similar. No, <laughs> could not be more different. <laughs> I'm going to recommend like. you, I feel like it's a classic of the American film canon. It's Ooh, okay. called Days of Heaven and it's a 1978 film by Terence Malick. Right. And it stars Richard Gere and it's set during the First World War in the Panhandle in Texas. Okay. Which is like the long thin bit of Texas that sticks up into Oklahoma and it's all wheat fields. And it follows this couple and his younger sister who are from Chicago and they're poor people. They work in a factory essentially Mm. and they go south to try and find a better life and they end up working as itinerant farm labourers on this farm for this rich guy and it all kind of unfolds from there. I know that there's a big gap in my film knowledge because I don't think I've ever seen a Terence Malick movie so I'm definitely keen to fill it. If you like looking at wheat fields like moving in the breeze and sometimes clouds (laughs) you will love this film. Can't wait. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where you could leave us a rating and a review. Our next event, another Harry Potter quiz on the 14th of March, is now sold out. But you can join the waiting list for tickets at seriouslypod.com slash events. Also on seriouslypod.com, you can find all our back episodes, plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually, and friends while you're there please do our listener survey it's really helpful for us to know what you do and don't like about the show and this is the last week that it's going to be open we're available many other places on the internet including on twitter facebook and tumblr we're seriously pod on all of them we love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.